at this juncture to please turn back to Scripture and to that portion that we read earlier on in the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, Ruth chapter 2. Now you really only need to watch one of any number of game shows on our TVs to realise that the society that we are in is a society that believes in fate. Society that believes in fate. So take, let's go for deal or no deal uh, with no Edmonds. Take that as an example. So there we've got um, a group of people week after week who trust and believe that some sort of impersonal force is at work in their in their lives, don't they? they? They they believe that some sort of impersonal force is working in their favour. That fate is going to lead them to the correct box. That fate is going to 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 lead them to riches and money beyond their wildest dreams. Much of our society will not even countenance a belief in God, but they will believe in. Luck. They will believe in a, an impersonal fate. Well, of course, the Bible speaks not only about the, the, the hollowness and the emptiness of that, but the Bible also gives us a radically different interpretation of how and why events in our lives happen the way that they do. And really, tonight, that's what we're going to be thinking about. As we look to the second chapter of Ruth, that's what we're going to be thinking about. The main theme, tonight's sermon is not good luck, and it is not fatalism. The main theme tonight is the perfect providence of God. Perfect providence of God. And really, before we go in, I want to show you what I mean. Because there's a couple of verses here at the start of the chapter that are really important. A couple of verses that that should really impact how we read the rest of what's going on here. There's a couple of verses right at the start that kind of stand over the whole chapter and should sort of permeate how we read the rest of what's said. Okay, now... We know the situation at the start of the chapter. Ruth speaks to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Ruth speaks to her and asks her really for permission to go out and, and go into the fields. And then what does her mother, mother-in-law say? Her mother-in-law gives her permission to do that. Okay, that's, that's the setting. But then... Look, that's when we've got these couple of really, really important, crucial verses here that I'm talking about. Because look, first of all, we're told that Ruth, what is it, Ruth found herself in a field that was belonging to Boaz. Okay, that's the first thing. She found herself in this field belonging to Boaz. Second thing, she does this just at the point that Boaz is returning into town. Now, Stay with me here. Okay? See why these are important verses. They are important verses 
because of the heavy irony that the narrator is employing at this point. He says, doesn't he? He says, Ruth just happened to be working in a field that belonged to Boaz. He says that Boaz just happened to be passing by at that precise moment. That's not what he's really saying. He's really saying the opposite, isn't he? He's, it's all ironic. It's almost, it's almost humorous. He's saying that these things, Ruth in the field, Boaz coming back into Bethlehem, these weren't quirky coincidences. This wasn't fate in any way. The narrator, the book of Ruth is saying that God is in action here, that God is at work. So we get it. The narrator is being ironic. He's drawing attention to the fact that the providence of God stands over everything that happens in this chapter. Okay. Let's examine a few a few areas tonight where we see the providence of God at work. First one, point one. Here we see the providence of God over relationships. The providence of God over relationships. And it's there that the young people of the church go, Ah, that's why you gave a plug and asked us all to come out tonight. The providence of God over relationships. Now, for years and years and years, I had um, the most cynical view of the romantic comedy genre. Okay? I was very cynical about the whole thing. I thought sort of romantic comedies were all kind of the same and that they all began in exactly the same way. You know the, 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 the sort of setup, don't you? The film begins with a girl who is having a really, really bad day. You know, and the film begins with her sort of rushing about the house and she's trying to get ready. And then she, the next scene, we'll see her rushing to work and she's late for work and she's carrying all this stuff in her hands. And then all of a sudden, somebody in the street bumps into her and she knocks everything to the ground. And then, when she and the person bend down to pick up the stuff, they bump into each other, and lo and behold, it's this great-looking guy. It is the love of her life. Well, we've said before that the book of Ruth is a love story, and it's anything but formulaic, and it's anything but superficial. But here in chapter 2 is that moment, isn't it? Here in chapter 2 is the moment when the two main characters meet. This is where they sort of bump into each other. Because Ruth is out in the field, out in the field working, when all of a sudden, the man arrives. All of a sudden, this, this man comes into the scene, this man of, of standing, you know, this uh, man of reputation, a, a romantic uh, connection begins to blossom. God 
has weaved these people's lives together. You know, this meeting, it didn't just happen, did it? It wasn't just a sort of weird coincidence. God is behind this. He's prepared Ruth's heart for that moment. But he's also prepared Boaz's heart for that moment too. God's providence was at work in the relationship. And I think there's a few things in regard to this that we should note tonight. Perhaps especially so if you are a single Christian in the room this evening. One, please understand that singleness is a blessing from God. Now, we've talked about that before in recent times, but it is worth us thinking about again. In God's providence, if you're single just now, it is because it is the best possible thing for you spiritually. It is a gift. It is a gift from God. God wants you single just now so that you can pursue and enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a gift. Now I know that your parents may not see it like that. And I know that uh, sometimes your family might not see it like that. But the Bible makes it really very, very clear that singleness is not an inferior status. Something that God has bestowed on you. And it's something that, that you should be thankful for. Okay, secondly we see in Ruth that if you do meet someone in the providence of God, that can happen in the most unlikely way and at the most unlikely time. Think about what happens to Ruth here. Now, she meets Boaz. She meets her future husband. At what is surely the, the single most improbable <laughs> and unlikely moment of her whole life. Now remember what we saw last week. Remember that? In, in the previous chapter, there's actually been a specific mention of just how unlikely it will be that Ruth meets anyone. You know, it says in the previous chapter that because Ruth has followed Naomi to, to, to Bethlehem, that, that, that Naomi's made it very clear to her that if she goes back as a widow, as someone who's poverty-stricken, as an outsider, that meeting someone, this is just not going to happen. It's just not on the agenda at all. But then what happens? Ruth goes back to Bethlehem. God has a plan. And Ruth meets her future husband. God acts in the most unlikely way. And he acts at the most unlikely time. And folks, we see from that just how prepared single Christians must be to meet their future spouse. You've got to be 
prepare for that moment. No matter how how unlikely or improbable it might seem that you're going to meet somebody just now, you've got to be prepared. You've got to know what the Bible says about relationships. You've got to know what the Bible says about marriage. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be praying about that situation in advance should it arise. Because it might be that in the providence of God, just like Ruth, you meet somebody at the most unlikely time and in the most unlikely way. Okay, further thing, which I think is the the most important thing here. We see in in chapter 2 that we mustn't settle for a spiritually inappropriate spouse. Don't settle for a spiritually inappropriate spouse. Now, in our circles, in the Christian church in the 21st century, okay, we have all seen, I think, this situation a lot. This situation. The situation where a young Christian starts out, let's say in their teens, and their 20s. And they start out with a desire to marry a Christian. But we've seen the situation where that changes, haven't we? And as time goes on, that desire to have a, a Christian relationship, a desire to have a Christian spouse, it changes. And it morphs into a different desire. It morphs into a desire to have any relationship at all, regardless of whether the other person is a Christian or not. I am sure we all know that. We have seen that countless times before. But look what happens here. Look at Ruth. See, Ruth waits. Ruth trusts in God. She doesn't sort of blindly just pursue any type of relationship. Otherwise, where would she be? She'd be in Moab. She wouldn't be in Bethlehem. And what happens? Who does she meet? She meets a spiritually appropriate spouse, doesn't she? She meets Boaz. A man whose first recorded words are what? His first recorded words here are, The Lord be with you. She meets a man who believes in God. She meets a man who believes in speaking about God. If you're single in here tonight, then I would urge you to read Ruth and study Ruth, but also to trust in the providence of God. He has got a plan for you. And whatever that might be, You must not settle for a spiritually inappropriate spouse. Okay, God is provident. God stands supreme over relationships. Let's consider a next thing. Let's consider that we see here the providence of God over needs. The providence of God over needs. Needs. Now, I had the, um, the privilege this week of, of meeting up a couple of times with former 
member of our congregation, uh, Gavin Graham. He was down in London. And um, as I'm sure you all know by now, Gavin has moved away from London. Um, he has moved to Aberdeen and is attending a church there. And Gavin was telling me that part of the weekly routine in his new church is every Friday night to take part in a food bank. To help out at a food bank. Now we all know what a food bank is, don't we? It's to provide food for people who are in dire straits, will we say? Um, to provide food and provision for people who are in emergency situations, for people who are really struggling to, to make ends meet. And I think when you and I consider Ruth and Naomi tonight, that's what we've got to be thinking about here. That's what we've got to be imagining. Because these two women here are women who are on the breadline. Now these are, these are women who were really the poorest of the poor. You see, we learn at the start of the chapter that they were involved in what was called gleaning. Gleaning. Now this was the, the practice that was enshrined in the law of Moses where workers in the fields weren't allowed to sort of go back and pick up anything that they had uh, dropped. They weren't allowed uh, to go around the, the edges of the field and pick up corn. That stuff had to be left and it had to be left for the poorest of society. The equivalent of people who are begging on the streets. The likes of Ruth and Naomi. Now, given that situation of poverty, what, what do we need to learn here? Let me suggest a couple of things. Let me suggest that in a situation of need, Ruth trusted in the providence of God. In a situation of need, she trusted in God's providence. You see, what we're told at the, be the beginning of the chapter is, is very, very telling. It sort of gives us a real insight into, into Ruth. Because she speaks to Naomi, and she says this. I'll read it out. This is what Ruth says at the beginning of the chapter. She says this. Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Do you see it? Do you see her, her attitude there to her situation? Now, she hoped to know. She expected to be provided for. In, a, in that sort of time of need and desperation, she trusted in God's providence. She went out with favour on the agenda. She went out expecting to find favour. She believed that God would provide for her. She believed that God would provide for her and Naomi. What else? Well, we also learn that in the providence of God, Ruth received what she needed and so much more. She goes out in faith 
And then what's the rest of the chapter all about? The rest of the chapter is all about recounting the, the incredible kindness of Boaz. That's one of the main themes of the whole story. Ruth meets Boaz, and what does Boaz do? He doesn't just sort of permit her to glean. Boaz does more than that. Boaz doesn't just go by the letter of the law. He goes way beyond it. Look what he does. He incorporates Ruth into this special, intimate kind of meal time. He offers her roasted grain. He instructs his workers to, to drop corn for her. Now that is something that just would never, ever have been heard of. Boaz shows her lavish kindness, loving kindness, breathtaking generosity. So let me say this to you tonight. Please make sure you get this. If you are in need tonight, whatever that need might be, God knows that. And God will provide for you. God has a plan for you. So it might be that you're struggling with money. It might be financial worries. It might be health. But whatever it is, God is in complete and sovereign control of that situation. And that doesn't mean that you're going to go home and find that you've won the lottery. Okay? And it, you know, it doesn't even mean that you're going to get a clean bill of health. It doesn't mean that either. But it does mean that the thing that you need God is going to provide. And it also means that if you trust God in the way that Ruth trusted God here, that through this situation of desperation or through the situation of need, God is also going to bless you and bless you spiritually. And Ruth too, she was destitute, wasn't she? She was in dire need. But God was arranging things and he met that need and so much more. The providence of God over relationships but the providence of God over needs too. Okay, we've seen that the, the God standing at the beginning of this chapter and he is arranging things. We've seen him eh, provident over relationships, over needs. Let's conclude. Let's just end with a third thing here. We see that eh, we see here that the providence of God over salvation. The providence of God over salvation. Now, as a Scot living in England, I am very much aware that I am a stranger uh, living in a, a strange land. But in fairness to, to locals, I can honestly say that I haven't had too many cheeky remarks about my accent, unless, of course, they have come from Marianne Silva. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but in the book of Ruth, um, the nationality of, of the, the, the primary character, the nationality of Ruth is, is, is of supreme importance. And it's not something that is just mentioned here and there. It's something, her nationality is something that is emphasized and emphasized never more so than in this present chapter, in chapter 2. Just have a look. Look at verse 2. We see it mentioned, don't we? The beginning of the chapter is, is Ruth. And she is not just introduced by name, is she? We're told it's Ruth the Moabitess. So it's at the beginning of the chapter. Then, what have we got? At the end of the chapter, it's the same. There is a type of inclusio about her nationality. Verse 21, it's not just Ruth. It is Ruth the Moabite S. Okay, beginning and the end. And, smack bang in the middle of the chapter, it's the same. Verse 10, look how Ruth refers to herself. She refers to herself simply as a foreigner. And because of this, we can sort of begin to appreciate just how unusual and unlikely Boaz's kindness was to Ruth. You know, his generosity to this, this woman was strange. It was very, very unusual. Because in the ancient world... You would just have nothing to do with a foreigner. You know, you would ignore a foreigner. The very idea of a foreigner was to be shunned and cast off. But what does he do? What does Boaz do? He focuses in on Ruth. He protects her. He even incorporates her into his people. And folks, what we need to see as we close tonight is how the book of Ruth anticipates something that came with greater definition, something that came with greater clarity in the New Testament. Because we see in the book of Ruth, in the way that God used Boaz, we see a picture of the fact that God did not reserve the gospel just for the people of Israel. That God acted to incorporate people from every nation. That God acted in generosity. That God acted in unusual kindness to incorporate people from every nation on earth. And we end with this. See, I'm not good with, with traditions, really. I was a bit fuzzy, but traditionally I think tonight is supposed to be the Thanksgiving service, isn't it? You know, traditionally, we would have in the morning the communion service where we would remember the fact that Jesus Christ has died for his people. And then tonight we would have the thanksgiving service. Well, consider here just what you and I have got to be thankful for. Because God's providence 
It doesn't just stand at the beginning of this chapter, does it? God's providence, it stands firm. And it stands at the beginning of all history. He has always had a plan. And he has always had a plan to bring people from other nations to himself. He's had a plan to bring strangers and outsiders like you and me into his people and into his family. He's always had a plan to protect us. He's always had a plan to shelter us and as we're told here, to give us refuge under his wings. And so I guess a thanksgiving service is really only one fitting response to that, isn't there? We should consider how Ruth acts. And we should follow suit. You see, in the face of that love, in the face of that unspeakable generosity, we read in verse 10, what does Ruth do? She bowed down with her face to the ground and she cried out, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you should notice me, a foreigner? Friends, tonight, thank God for his unlikely grace. And thank him that he has always, he has always had a plan for the salvation of his people. Let's pray.